calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. We are the creators of our lives and not the victims of our lives. Taking time in your life to invest in yourself is uh, to invest in a future. And when you invest in yourself, you invest in your future. And when you believe in yourself, you believe in possibility. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome to this special masterclass. We brought some of the top experts in the world to help you unlock the power of your life through this specific theme today. It's going to be powerful. So let's go ahead and dive in. I want everyone listening for the next seven days to try something. Mm -hmm. And if you could give one to three different things that we could think differently or eliminate mm -hmm. when a thought comes to us or we react in a certain way, if there's something you think that if we eliminated one, two or three things and we did this every day for seven mm -hmm. days, we would start to see incredible mm -hmm. feelings of differently, would feel healthier, more lively, more love. What would okay. be those few things? Okay, well most people, number one, they get up in the morning and uh, the first thing they do is they think about the problems in their life. And those problems are memories from the past. Mm -hmm. So the moment they think about the problems, they're thinking in the past, right? Every one of those problems has an emotion attached to them. So they start feeling unhappy or mm -hmm. unworthy or whatever. And how you think and how you feel is your state of being. So most people's entire state of being is in the past when they start today. So if they're in the familiar past, they're gonna live in a predictable future, right? Mm. So they get up and they check their cell phone, they check their text, their WhatsApp, their Facebook, they post something on Facebook, they tweet, they Twitter, they check the news, then they go to the bathroom, get a cup of coffee, take a shower, get dressed, check more emails, drive to work the same way, do the same thing. So they're in a program. They've actually lost their free will to the program. Wow. So if you start your day, and you start your day with this simple question, what is the greatest ideal of myself that I can be today? Mm. You ask yourself that question. And now listen, your body's gonna go like, well, you gotta get a cup of coffee and you I'm gotta- tired. I'm, I'm tired, yeah. And you gotta go, ah, 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 body, uh, you're not the mind, I'm the mind right now. You're gonna sit here, I'm gonna feed you. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get your coffee, you're gonna do all those things, but right now, this is my time. You're gonna obey me, right? So now, the body's no longer the mind, you're the mind. And so when it wants to get up and you become aware of it, and we turn back to the present moment, every time you do that's a victory. Wow. And you're changing some aspect of yourself. So then, ask yourself, I do this all the time, write down four thoughts that you're gonna stay conscious of the whole day. I can't, it's too hard, you'd be surprised. The moment you become conscious of what those thoughts are, how unconscious you've been to them all day, right. you know, all for weeks on end, write down what you speak, how you speak, four things you want to change, how you act, how do you, how do you act? Do you complain, do you blame, do you make excuses, do you feel sorry for yourself? That's a victim consciousness. What emotions do you live by? Is it possible that you're so used to living by guilt mm. you don't even know it's guilt, it just feels like you? Do, you? do you allow your energy to drop? Become conscious of those states of mind and body and review them and say, this is the old self. Then say, what thoughts do I want to fire and wire in my brain? and start firing and wiring and start feeling it. What behaviors will I demonstrate today? What choices will I make? One day, one lifetime. Mm. And just like you did, rehearse them. Rehearse the whole entire thing. Yeah. Begin to install the neurological hardware in your brain. 
And if you keep installing it, the hardware is going to become a software program and you're going to start thinking and acting that way. And then here's the tough part. Can you teach your body emotionally what your future is going to feel like before it's made manifest? Hmm. And don't get up until you feel that way. Now, practice that for a few days and then see if you can stay in that state and watch all of a sudden all those weird doors start opening for you. Synchronicities. Synchronicities, yeah. whatever they are. <clears throat> Number two, take a time at the end of your day, the end of your day before you lay down and give thanks for your life and feel gratitude and really teach your body what it feels like. The emotional signature of gratitude, when gratitude means mm. you're getting something. <clears throat> if I give you something that's of value, you would say thank you because you would feel it, right? So when you're receiving, you're giving thanks. So gratitude is the ultimate state of receiving. Mm. So then people only accept, believe, and surrender to the thoughts equal to their emotional state. Right. So if you're in a state of <clears throat> gratitude, Every thought's gonna make it right down into your body. If you're saying, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, I'm wealthy, and your body's programmed in negativity, it's saying, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. That thought's gonna stop right here. So as you elevate your state, there are about 1,200 different chemical reactions that go on in the body that begin to restore and repair the body in a state of gratitude. And so we've done the research to mm -hmm. prove that. 10 minutes and just feel it with all of your heart. That's it. Wow. Third thing, and, and very important, take time, whenever it is, <clears throat> sit down, close your eyes, and begin to just open your awareness to the space around you and just sense it and pay attention to it and become more aware of it. The act of opening your awareness begins to reduce the stress hormones and creates more wow. coherent brainwave states. And I'm doing it right now. And it's just a practice. Yeah. It's just a practice. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Wow. Who's been your greatest teacher? Ooh, life. No doubt about it. I believe that life is our initiation. I mean, uh, I, I, um, I, I do my best to see my life as a reflection of my mind. And I think that, mm. uh, and I think that life is our greatest teacher. A reflection of your mind is essentially like... What you've created is a reflection of how you've been thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're showing up sick physically, then that's what you've created in your Look, mind. Look, I don't believe that germs make me sick. I believe I make me sick. Mm -hmm. I do. I mean, there's no germs with my name on it out there. I mean, they're called opportunistic bacteria because they're waiting for an opportunity for your immune system mm. to be compromised. And so for me personally, I, you have to ask myself this question every day. At what point do I stop believing that I create my life. What, what is that point? So I'm always pushing that envelope a little bit more. So for me, I think life is our initiation. We don't need to go to any ancient school of wisdom mm -hmm. in the Himalayas. We, we, our life is our initiation, and when you meet the challenges in your life from a greater level of mind, you're going to begin to move through those initiations. And what is the side effect of that? Wisdom. Mm. And that's what we take with us, yeah. being wise. Powerful. Wow. Yeah. How can we connect with you online and go to your events? What's the best place to go to to so, see everything that you Yeah, have so my to? website is just drjoedispenza.com, drjoedispenza.com. And there's just a ton of resources there. We, we have an online progressive course now. I don't teach those courses anymore because my interest is in the week-longs. So for people who come to a week-long, they do a, a, a home study course where they get the basics, they understand what we're doing. Uh, it's about 23 hours. They can do it in however long they want. Sure. And, and uh, then with that comes another study course, and then they can come to a week-long and join a community of people that are wow. all about passion and the unknown. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. When's the next event? Um, well, the next event, gosh, the next week long is in Toronto, uh, September 1st through 7th, and uh, it's uh, pretty close to sold out. Yeah. Then we'll be in, the, uh, in Australia in October, and then uh, the UK in November, and then Cancun, Mexico in December. And then I got, you know, I got a couple events that I'm doing here and there. Wow. Uh, other things, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, a couple final questions for you. This one's called The Three Truths. Let me mm -hmm. ask everyone at the end. Mm -hmm. If you imagine it's your last day many years from now, mm -hmm. and you've achieved or created or been anything you've wanted to do, you've done it all, right? Mm -hmm. Everything you can think of has happened, mm -hmm. created it, books, events, whatever you want to do, healed the world, you've done it all. Mm 
Um, but for whatever reason, you've got to take everything with you. All your writings, your research, material, mm -hmm. videos, events. <laughs> it's not available for anyone to have anymore. Mm -hmm. But you have a piece of paper and you get to write down three things you know to be true about your life or the lessons that you would leave behind. And mm -hmm. this is the only lessons that they would have access to. Mm -hmm. What would you say are your three truths? Ooh. Ooh, wow. Uh, number one is that the divine lives in every human being and that uh, we have to make an effort to connect with it every day. Mm. And when we do, it answers the call in ways that we would just never anticipate. And uh, I know that to be the truth and that uh, nobody is so special to be excluded from that mm -hmm. phenomenon. Uh, number two is that uh, we are the creators of our lives and not the victims of our lives. And that taking time in your life to invest in yourself is uh, to invest in a future. And when you invest in yourself, you invest in your future. And when you believe in yourself, you believe in possibility. And I think that everybody secretly believes in themselves. And so taking mm -hmm. time to understand that we are just works in progress and and to find time to forgive ourselves and to forgive others Excuse and start fresh yeah. this, the next day is a blessing is a blessing and and finally uh, um, I think that it, it's not our purpose in life to be a popular or successful or beautiful or or uh, intelligent our, our purpose in life is to remove those blocks those veils, those limitations that stand in the way between us and that divine intelligence. And, and when we do, uh, it begins to make its way through us and we mm. become more like it. We become more loving. It is a loving intelligence. We become more giving. It's a giver of life. We become more conscious. It's a consciousness. We become more mindful. It has an infinite mind. We become <clears throat> more willful. It has an amazing will. Its nature uh, becomes our nature. Its mind becomes our mind. And, and then we don't have to try to be liked or try to be important mm -hmm. or try to be recognized. We're just happy for no reason at all. And I, and I think that is the natural state of being. And I think that we innately mm. know that on some level. Mm. What are three to five non-negotiable habits that every human being should and if they could do on a daily basis, it would improve their lives and everyone's life around them. What are those non-negotiable habits on a daily basis we should do? Yeah, three habits that would improve everybody's lives on a daily basis. It's so hard to give an answer like that because obviously everybody's you know dealing with different stuff. But there are a few things that I think I do genuinely think most people would benefit from. So um, the easy answer would be. Uh, or the easy way to frame this would be reading, but I don't think it actually has to be reading books. I think it just is the the habit of learning something new. So if you, you know, listening to podcasts, reading a book, watching a good YouTube video, whatever, it doesn't matter what version of that it is. But if you go to bed a little bit smarter than you were when you woke up, that's going to improve your life. And just having this thirst for lifelong learning, having an eagerness to uh, learn or discover something new each day, it's going to pay off in a huge way in the long run, no matter what topics you're interested in. So a habit of some small habit of daily learning, let's just call it learn something new for 10 minutes each day. Um, some sort of physical activity, uh, you know, this is, I think, an important um, realization about all habits, which is in most areas of life, there might not be a thousand ways to do something, but there's almost always more than one way. And, you know, I like working out in the gym, but not everybody wants to train like a bodybuilder and that's fine. You know, like you can kayak or go running or rock climbing or ride a bike or whatever. There's like a bazillion ways to live an active lifestyle and you should choose the version of your habits that is most exciting to you. Like in a, in a way, that's the first biggest hurdle to clear when you're building habits is have you selected a habit that you're genuinely interested in, that you're actually engaged with? Because if it's something that you actually care about, there are going to be like endless opportunities for improvement. If you're not actually care, if you don't actually care about it, if you're just doing it because you kind of feel like society's encouraging you to do it, or your parents want you to do it, or your peers are kind of subtly saying, hey, this is something you should do, then even the obvious improvements are going to feel like a chore, you know? So let's call it uh, 10 minutes of learning something new. Uh, some sort of physical activity, whatever is exciting or interesting to you. And then I think the other one is uh, a process, a habit 
of reflection and review. So it's very easy in life to be so busy or working on stuff heads down um, or just have the next task come up, whether it's things you got to do for your kids or responsibilities at work that you never take even five minutes to step back and just breathe and ask yourself, am I working on the right thing? You know, am I directing my attention and energy to the highest and best use? And boy, there is nothing so wasteful as working hard on the wrong thing. You know, like so many people work really hard, but are you directing your energy and attention to the best spot? And so um, the only way to discover that, like, I know I'm not smart enough to figure it out on the first time. Like, I can't, I can't just sit down, give me five minutes and be like, oh, this is exactly what I should be focused on. It takes iteration. It takes refinement. It takes a process of reflecting and reviewing and looking back on the previous day and be like, hey, was that a good way to spend my time? Like, did I live a good life today? And the more that you do that, the more you start to course correct. And the other tricky thing, and the reason this needs to be a habit that you revisit consistently, I don't necessarily think it needs to be daily, but consistently is the answer changes over time. You know, like what you want shifts over time, the situation you're in or the resources you have, or the time you have shifts over time. And so you need to keep coming back to this. Maybe it's every week, maybe it's once a year, but whatever it is, you need a chance to reflect and review and to try to ask yourself, is there a better way to do this? Am I working on the right thing? Am I working on what actually matters? Um, am I directing my attention and energy in the highest and best mm -hmm. way? Yeah. And how, how important is accountability then in your mind when we are taking on these new habits for ourselves? Is it important to have self-accountability, buddy accountability, coach accountability, you know, social accountability? Uh, do those support habits, uh, forming these consistent habits? And what other factors are in play there? They definitely support them um, or or hinder them potentially, depending on the the people you're around and the you know the group that you're a part of. Ultimately, the form of accountability that matters the most is self accountability. It's almost impossible to exceed the standards that you have for yourself. Like that almost always sets the baseline. You know, if your your beliefs or your standards are almost always going to be the limit on what you allow yourself to do or what you accept. Now, it's easier to stick to high standards in a supportive environment than it is in a uh, an unsupportive one. So there are a lot of things that can influence whether you want to maintain that standard, but ultimately the standard you hold yourself to is gonna be the most important thing. Now, having said that, I do think that the social environment, the tribes that you belong to, influence your habits in a really dramatic way. So if I had to pick one topic that I think is even more important now than I realized when I was writing the book, I would probably say the social environment. You know, we're all part of multiple tribes. Some of those tribes are like really large, like what it means to be American or what it means to be Australian. Some of those tribes are small, like what it means to be a neighbor on your street or a member of the local CrossFit gym. But all of those tribes, large and small, they have a set of expectations. You know, they have a set of social norms. They have a set of beliefs that, hey, this is how you act in this group. This is what's normal and expected. And the more that your habits align with the expectations of the group, the easier it is to stick with them, the more like appealing and attractive they are because they signal to the people around you, hey, look, I belong too. you know, like I'm part of this. And the more that they go against the grain of the tribes that you belong to, the harder they are to stick to because you start to get criticized for them. And if people have to choose between, you know what, I have habits that I don't really love, but I fit in, I belong, I'm part of something. Or I have the habits that I want to have, but I'm cast out, I'm ostracized, I'm criticized. I mean, the desire to belong will often overpower the desire to improve. You know, belonging will, will the loneliness will lose to belonging. And so you need to get those two things aligned and join groups where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. It is so true. And it doesn't mean you can't make it happen. There's a great example that, that came up this week. Someone on my team on our team call said, uh, I asked I asked everyone on the call, I said, what is one thing you want to let go of next year for your life? Like, what's one thing that's not serving you right now that you want to let go of? And this person said, I want to let go of drinking, drinking alcohol, like, or at least drinking as frequently as I do with the social circles that I'm in. 
And um, I thought that was interesting because I've never been drunk in my life. I don't drink. It's not, it's not a part of my identity, right? I never did it from sports. And then in, after sports, I was just like, why? It didn't make sense to me. Nothing good or bad about it. It just wasn't fitting my values personally. I have other problems, which is sugar, right? It's like I've got that. That's my vice, right? So uh, no judgment here. But I was just like, this never stopped for me, you know, in every – until maybe in the last four or five years – where anytime I'd go out in college, after college, then in the business world, restaurants, networking events, like all that stuff, people would always try to influence me to drinking. And so I had to be I, I had to be so firm in my beliefs and really just not even care at all about it. That I just knew that people were going to try to influence me. They would try to say a joke. They'd be, I can't believe you never drank, all these different things. Try to get me to drink for the first time, all this stuff. I knew it would happen every single week. And I just realized, okay, this is going to happen no matter what type of circles I'm in, unless I find people that do not drink, which is very rare. And which is one of the reasons why with my girlfriend, when we started dating, I was like, listen, it's not going to work. If you like to drink, I don't think I can date you. Like, doesn't mean you're a bad person. I just don't want to be in that environment for the rest of my life uh, with the person I'm choosing to be with. And so I had to make a conscious decision. And she was like, well, it, I don't really need it. Like, maybe I drink a glass of wine once a month. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But if this is a weekly thing, like, it's just not going to work because I've chosen this to be a high priority of my value for my life. And um, it's it's very challenging if there's something you want to do and the people around you are influencing you the other way in terms of accountability. So I think it's it doesn't mean you can't do it, but choosing to be around people or groups or tribes, like you mentioned, that are supportive, even if it's the local CrossFit gym or whatever it might be, find those communities as much as possible. You know, if your family isn't as supportive, find these other micro tribes to support you in that habit forming. So I think it's really powerful. And one of the surprising things that I came across when I was researching the book is a lot of these self-control studies, we typically will like kind of the standard story we all tell is, oh man, I wish I had the discipline of that person, or I wish I was, you know, as consistent as this professional athlete or whatever. But in fact, um, the people who exhibit the highest self-control are often the people who are tempted the least. That's like the predominant right. pattern that is common across those different contexts is that they Don't are put just cookies not in tempted. your house. You're not going to eat them. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, you want to stack the deck in your favor and design an environment or join groups and tribes where your desired behavior is normal, where your desired behavior is easy. And if you do that for yourself, sure, you'll still have to put effort in, um, but it's going to be so much more productive and easy to stick to the habit because you're in a space and a context that's designed to support it. And that's maybe one of the biggest hacks or strategies for building better habits is worry a little bit less about having superhuman willpower and worry a little bit more about designing an environment where you don't need willpower at all. You did something really smart, which I think a lot of people aren't willing to do. You spent 10 years writing every week in an incredible article or articles that were so detailed, so thought out, so researched. And you said, how can I serve the maximum number of people in my niche and then start branching out in the space as well and do it consistently over a decade without really making a lot of money, you know, selling other things. And then you came out with a book. And now this doesn't happen for everyone, but then you came out with a book and it became, you know, a... Uh, one of the best-selling books of the year, of the most-selling book of last year on Amazon, like you said, top five, I think, this year as well. And it just continues to add value to people. And I think it's a testament to what you created for a decade plus of adding value. So congratulations on everything, man. Yeah, thank you. That's very, very nice of you to say. It's been a wild ride. I, there are a couple things going on there. Like I do try to operate with this core value of always give value before you ask for value. And if you think about in any business, but like in my business, writing books, the amount of um, what it costs a reader or what it costs a customer is not just how much they have to pay for the book. It's also how much time they have to spend reading it or finding it and so on. And whatever that total cost is, time plus money, that's like the amount they have to pay. And then whatever I get paid um, is what I make. But what they get in return should be like well in excess of that. So like the value they get minus the time and money they spend 
there's some surplus there and we could call it whatever, but I like think about it as like goodwill. And I always want to have a surplus of goodwill. Um, and so everything that I create, whether it's an article or a newsletter or a, the book, I want people to be, to have this feeling that it's like, oh my gosh, I get so much out of this. Of course, I would want to open the next email, or of course, I would want to buy the book. It's like such an obvious win for me. So I always try to give value before I ask for value. And I don't think that there's any one way to do this. Like you could start with the book and not have an audience, for example. But the way that I did it is I wanted to focus on building the audience first, building the platform first, give as much value as possible, get the audience as large as possible. And then I was able, you know, I didn't have any credentials, right? Like I don't have any background for, and there was no reason for me to get a book deal. I was just a guy with a blog. Um, and the only reason that any of the publishers in New York met with me is because I spent that time building the email list and developing the audience. And then that got my foot in the door and got the book deal. And then of course you have to execute well on that and create something valuable. And then, you know, ultimately the book being a hit was sort of just all this potential energy that had been built up for two years or five years or whatever. And then it being released when, when the book came out. So I, in a large, to a large degree, I kind of think that's the hardest thing about writing books is all the mm -hmm. work is up front. You know, you have so to work. build the audience and write it and edit it and uh, make the marketing plan and start to record interviews and execute on that. You have to do all of that stuff before you sell a single copy. And most people are just not willing to delay gratification that long. You know, I mean, it's probably depending on how you measure it. Atomic Habits took somewhere between like three and six years. Um Definitely at least three years, because that's how long it was from when I got the book deal. But I was doing a lot before I even got the book deal. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just a long time to work on something without making a cent from it. <laughs> and so uh, if you're willing to do that, then you can get a great result. Thoughts that you say in your mind quietly every day and the words you speak out loud every day. How important are they? Mm together and which one is more valuable if you could only choose one negative Ooh. thoughts but positive words <laughs> positive um, thoughts but negative words or do yeah. they both need to be in alignment towards your mission and purpose well um so i'll start with this your life is a physical manifestation of the conversation going on in your head <sighs> i'm gonna start with that and we just speak for like 24 hours on this <laughs> i love this right your life is a physical manifestation of the conversation going on in your head. So if you said nothing but thought everything, your life is going to show up to make your thoughts true. So you have one job. You have one job in your life for you to make what you think about life true so that you're not wrong. You don't want to walk around wrong, 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 wrong. You want to be right about the life you see. So you're going to work hard, work hard to produce the life that you talk about in your mind. Whether that life is no one loves me, Mm -hmm. I'm all alone. Mm -hmm. You can be in a group of people and you will think I'm so alone and, and, and you will feel alone and things will show up to co-sign your loneliness just because you're looking for that. And so um, if you start with, I'm going to say the mind, like the mind is that thing. The mind is the core engine. It starts all things. It shuts all things down. When I start thinking something different, I'm like, hold on, stop. I want to think something. I shut down that behavior. I shut down that outcome. When I birth something, I birth it in my mind. I focus on my mind. I see myself there in my mind. Before I got on with you, I was doing guided visualizations. Mm. I'm recording them. So people, and I, and I mean, they're juicy. And I'm saying, see yourself here. Because if you can see it, and then the, the, the key is evoke the emotion mm -hmm. as if you were there. Yep. Right. And that's why people are who are sad all the time are sad because they're thinking of things that make them sad. And then the emotion follows the thought. Mm. So I must say everything starts with your thought, Lewis. But let me just say this. When you speak, you speak your future into the world. You speak yes. your future. Whatever you say, whatever falls off your tongue, when, when you say I am, right? The unconscious mind says, and you are so, whatever comes on the other side of that. And so you, you, you ask me a hard question, which one is most important? <laughs> thought of, it starts with the thought. I think the thought is the, that's where everything originates. And then you add a whole lot of turbo boost to it with your tongue.
Yeah. And so when you align the two, and then you add to it, like the, the B12, the B12 of action, action is like, action is like, that's the nitro, that's the nitro, like, uh, 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 right? And I see so many people, they think it, they write it, they journal it, they talk about it, and they do no action. And I go, you understand that the action is, that, that's like, that's like putting the, the flower in the sun because mm -hmm. it requires sun. And so, yeah. Yeah, I had, this is a beautiful explanation, and I had a Navy SEAL on, uh, I don't know, six, seven months ago. His name's Chad, and he, he talked about, as a SEAL, uh, he, he used the tongue as a rudder in a boat. He said, what you speak is going to lead you down, you know, the ocean or the river or wherever on the boat you're on. And so he never says anything negative out loud because it's so powerful in the mm -hmm. Navy SEALs. He talked about how powerful it is. No matter how much pain they're experiencing mm -hmm. in Hell Week and all this stuff they're dealing with, they never allow the tongue to speak something mm -hmm. negative. Otherwise, they'll ultimately quit and give up. Right, 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 it's right, right. It's too right. painful Right. To deal with what they deal with, right? To then say, "Ah, oh, I'm hurting. I'm tired. Ah, yeah, oh, I can't right. do it." Right, right. Don't, don't, don't speak that. Don't speak that into the universe. You no. just because whatever you speak feels like it expands. Of course, right? Energy grows where energy goes. It expands. So speak life. Speak possibility. There is not one dark situation that doesn't have a glimmer of light. It doesn't mean it's going to be convenient to see. <laughs> That's true. And most of us are looking for convenient light. Yes. Oh man, I want to speak for like five more hours <laughs> with you, but I, I want to, I want to try to finish with a few final questions here. Yes. Um, even though I don't want to finish this, Let's we'll, just, we'll have to come you back on. Yeah, we'll bring time. you back Let's on. Let's do this again. I promise it won't be as as challenging <laughs> to get me in the future. I promise, my friend. I, I want to talk about uh, for a moment purpose because I feel like right yeah. now we're seeing a lot of people with scattered purposes, especially with everything that's happening in the world over the last right. uh, three months, six months. I'm seeing so many big influencers go through divorce who were publicly had great relationships. I'm seeing people's businesses go under because of they were in the events business or whatever, and they weren't able mm -hmm. to adapt and shift. I'm mm -hmm. seeing uh, people scattered with their purpose and unclear. Right. How can people, let's speak to this, because I think it's two different questions. One is how to truly figure out what your purpose is. Cause I think it's seasonal. You know what your purpose was when you were 10 is different. I, now. I agree. It's seasonal. So it's hard for, it's a very broad question and I don't want to set you up with that. Uh, Cause I think it's unfair when people ask you that for me, but if you know, if you think I know what my purpose is like, I know I'm meant to go do this thing. I think, I think I'm supposed to go after this. I feel like maybe I should try this thing, but I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. How do you, how would you coach someone who knows what they're supposed to do, or at least they think they do until they figure it out and it's not it or it is it? How do you coach people or encourage people to actually do it, to actually overcome that final hurdle of fear, whether they're afraid of failure, afraid of success, afraid of judgment, whether they've got a really good life and a really good job, but it's just not their, it's not pulling them to their ultimate purpose. Where do you, where do you share in that line? So um, one of the first things I do is I ask them to please let's quantify and give life to what does it cost you to stay still. Ooh. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a straight, no chaser kind of girl, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, we're not just going towards something. We also have to realize that to the same degree that you asked the weight loss, uh, why did I do it? I, because what would it cost me with all my success? What would it have cost me to stay in that 220 pound body? What's the cost? And so when I saw that, that's why I responded. I, I, if, I, if I didn't give myself this, right? I was very clear with the cost. So number one, I, I would say, what does it cost you? And, I, and, and my students know me. I do this in my, in my workshop, my trainings for my, my, my platinum level students and my coaches and students that are getting certified to be a Lisa Nichols uh, trainer. And I, I ask them hard questions. What does it cost you mm -hmm. to stay in that mindset? And they have to list it. And I say, and what part of the price have you already paid? And they just get visceral. They're like, ah. And I say, so how long? I don't know. It's whatever you want. How much longer do you want to pay that price? Right. Are, are, two are years, we, 10 years, two right, months. Are, are, are we PIF? Are we paid in full now? <laughs> <laughs> are, are, 
we PIF? Uh, I paid it full and I'm keep paying. Exactly. And so uh, I use this metaphor that if you went to the store and bought a dozen eggs and you went home and you scrambled all the eggs and you cooked the eggs and then you took the empty carton back to the grocery store and you said, I'd like to buy these again. The, the, the cashier will go, but you already bought them. Why are you buying it? Why are you paying for it again? That's what we're doing. We're paying for the same behavior over and over again. And so one, get clear that you're PIF. <laughs> that you're paid in full for not being in action. Like I, I, I've already paid it. I've, I, I, I've, I've done three years of wanting a dream and not have whatever your reasons are. Right. Number two is let's talk about everything that happens. If you fail, let's just unpack that. You go let's back to where you're at now. Yeah. You'll right, right. Oh, actually, you never are back to where you are now because now you got some kind of lesson that you experience. didn't have. Yeah. Right. You got some kind of experience. So, so what happens if you fail? Okay, great. So what lessons can we pull out of that? So now let's agree to if we fail, let's fail forward. So then let's define what does failing forward look like. So then we get very descriptive on what does failing forward look like? What will I do with the lessons? Um, what will I, I, I'll document four to six things I did right. And I'll document two to three things that I can improve upon and I'll implement them all on the next go round. So then we take out all the possibility. And I even go as far as saying, so what if people judge you? I unpack it. What do people judge you? Let, let's say they, like, they talk really bad about you on social media for like a three days, like it goes a while. Well, then what happens? Mm -hmm. Well, um, on the sixth day, I get up and do it again. So all of a sudden I take all the, all the juice out of the, out of the, out of the balloon of all, we just deep dive into the darkness of your illusions, deep dive into the darkness of your mind. So like what? Okay. Well, my, I'll lose this money. Okay. You lost how much? 40,000. Okay. All 40,000 gone. So now what? I don't know. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's figure out a plan. Cause you already lost the money. We lost the money. Let's, let's, now I can start saving again or I can do whatever. Okay, great. So then every, all these big possibilities are now just situations. Mm -hmm. Then I go to, so what can we do to eliminate the possibility of that occurring? So now we go into strategy. So I'm real big on strategy. I'm real big on milestones. I believe that you should not set a macro goal without setting several micro goals. Mm. So I live in micro goals. Like my number that I want to generate this year, I don't ever look at that after, after November of the year prior. After November 2019, I don't really look at it. I look at every monthly goal because that's my milestone. I know that goal. And I know that goal is tied into my annual goal. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about it. So I'm seeing if I'm on track, off track, on track, because I can handle that. That's palatable, right? So then a lot of times entrepreneurs set like, like big bodacious goal and you have a release of endorphins when you first set it, but then it goes away because you don't even know how you're going to get there. Yeah. And so I'm real big on my, like just on my campus, I'm real big on three things, a strategy, right? Milestones and accountability. Yeah. By when dates, by when, by who, right? And so make it doable, make it so you can see it, set it up in 90 days. And so um, I, I, I think that purpose comes with a plan. Ooh. And oftentimes we live, we leave purpose so big and so ambiguous that it feels difficult to touch. And so if you're supposed to inspire millions, okay, great. So for August, how many are you going to touch toward that million? We're going to get to millions. We're going to get to millions. But are we touching 5,000? Are we touching 50,000? Mm -hmm. And then by November, did you grow your social media platform by 3% or by 30%? Like less something trackable and measurable so that you can see that purpose being fulfilled. So you can trust your picker. So many of us haven't had enough indicators, mm -hmm. haven't had enough uh, evidence that we've done it the way we thought we would do it or better that now you're starting to pull back on trusting your picker well you need evidence if the court of law sends a man to prison because of evidence or lets a woman walk because of lack of evidence then why not use evidence in your mm. life that you're ready for such a time as this but you have to set it up in such a way where you can see the trackable evidence what do we say to ourselves when we don't do self-care, what are we saying about how much we mm. are worth to ourselves when we mm. don't, when we delay mm. that for months and years of taking care of yeah. ourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not important enough to put at the front of my own line. Mm. 
you always are going to have a line of people to serve, things to do. And you got one job to stand at the front of your own line. Um, you're, you're saying that I, you're training other people how to treat you by the way you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you are saying, um, you're saying that I, I still need to heal in the area of feeling important enough to prioritize my self-care. Yeah. Um, you also may be saying and can be saying, uh, I still need to learn how to fall in love with myself mm. enough to take care of me the way I take care of others. And that's so many people. You take care of those around you far better than you take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. This is beautiful. You, you uh, shared last time, I want to see if your three truths are the same. So at the end of the, every interview, I ask people what their three biggest truths are, if this was their last day on earth many years from now. And mm. all of their content was, I uh, had to go with them to the next place. And there was no more videos or books or anything of your message, but you could share three lessons to the world or three truths. I'm curious if your three truths have changed in this season. So I'll ask you, what are your current three truths? You are greater than your circumstances. It's your birthright. It's your birthright to have joy and abundance and love and fairness. And it's your responsibility to leave this planet a better place than it was before you came by your contribution. My final question, what's your definition of greatness currently? Being willing to lift others as you climb. Mm. Being willing to lift others as you climb. Being willing to speak even if your voice shakes. (laughs) Being willing to lift as you climb and being willing to speak even if your voice shakes. Mm. What are the main limiting beliefs that you just hear consistently that most people tend to have if they're not in a heavy, uh, uh, higher level program that they've caught and switched with? Well, one of the main beliefs that they're caught up in is the uh, lack of power they feel over their own health and their own reality. That I'm a victim. I'm a victim of my genes. I'm a victim of this world out here. I say, if you if a, the belief system uh, is translated into behavior, <laughs> if I believe I'm a victim, then my behavior will be as a victim. No power. You guys tell me what to do, and I'll try and do what you just said. And I say, well, that's the biggest problem of all, because quantum physics, I mentioned, is the most valid science. And principle number one is you're the creator of this. And it's like, well, when are you going to own that? And the answer is, I could say it, but then you walk away and a few minutes later, you're back into your world again. Everything's gone. You know, listen, it took me a while. Uh, I learned and understood that, oh, my God, this is how it works. And I was so excited. I wanted to get people. I wanted to tell anybody to listen to the science. <laughs> this is how it works. So I, I beginning got some people together and I started to go off. Let me tell you how to create the most beautiful life experience. And then they'd look at me and they go, you know. Lipton, for a guy who says you know this, your, your life doesn't look that good. Interesting. It was my wake-up call that said, how the hell can I talk about how wonderful this is and I'm not practicing it? And I immediately said to myself, no, don't go out there and talk to anybody about this. Why? Until you do it. So what were the, what were the things that were holding you back? before you've discovered this? And then what was the new program that you started to implement for yourself on a consistent basis to have a 100% upgraded program? Yeah. Well, uh, one of the things professionally, okay, I was doing a great job. I I had a great professorship in a medical school, all that kind of stuff. You know, personally, my life sucked. (laughs) Really? I get a relationship off the ground. I go, why not? I go, well, now that I know about it, I was programmed about relationships by observing my father and my mother. Well, they had dysfunctional relationships. So what do you think I downloaded? Dysfunction. So my conscious mind goes forward and says, yeah, I want to have a great relationship. I get into it. My subconscious mind steps up and says, oh, this is how we do a relationship. Ooh, uh (laughs) uh-oh, game over, you know? Why? Because I didn't see 
the negative behaviors that I was putting out. My partner, potential partner, saw them and gave them cause for alarm. I don't think I want to be with this guy, you know? That was me. <laughs> uh, and then I realized that. And that's when I really had to go in first thing and start to change. Who am I? And I'll tell you the biggest problem uh, now after years of working, people do not love themselves. Mm. And I say, what does that mean? I said, if you have a program where you don't love yourself, then rationally, logically, can anybody else love you? And the answer no. is no. Because you don't think you're lovable. That's right. And somebody says you are, that, oh, I love you. And then you go, well, you know, you probably don't have any quality control. I know I'm not lovable. What's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> and then at some point you push them away and then they're not there. Then you go, I'm not lovable. Nobody's here. <laughs> I, I push them away, you know, and I changed that. I was nearly, what, 45 years old, 40 some years mm. old. And I had zero quality relationships for all that life. Right. I changed the program. And within a couple of years, I, I'm now with my partner, Margaret. Uh, and, and the fact is, she was involved with a um, workshop training program for people. So she understood processing and stuff. And when I came and we added the science and the processing, uh, we've been living a honeymoon for 26 mm. years. Really? 26 years waking up every day going, wow, still here. Another day for fun. Another day for being in love. It was great. And it still is. But if I didn't change the program, that would never have been part of my life at all. I would have been my whole life struggling. How did you change it? And what was the thing that you started to say in replace of the previous program? Well, the first thing was I had, we do muscle testing. Now you're an athlete, all that stuff. And you know about muscles. Well, let me just say about muscle testing. The conscious mind is a creative mind. And the subconscious mind is a program, but the subconscious mind being a massive processor controls muscles, the subconscious, not thinking, man, it's boom. It's just programmed real fast reflexes, boom, like this. Okay. So <clears throat> if you make a statement with your conscious mind, the creative mind, and the subconscious mind doesn't agree with that, there's no history to support that statement, then the two minds are not in harmony. I say, what happens when they're in disharmony? And the answer is it weakens the subconscious mind. Wow. And your muscles get weaker. So, so how, do we, how do we get them in harmony? Well, you have to make sure then whatever statements you're making are agree with the subconscious program. And if you want a statement that's positive and your subconscious program doesn't have it, then all of a sudden you say, well, that's where I got, I got to fix a subconscious mind. I don't need to fix a conscious one. And that's when it comes back. Well, then programming that subconscious mind. Another one that was so amazing was uh, I tried to write my biology belief book. I got to three different times. I got started, got about halfway through, and it just petered out. I just, mm. just disappeared. And I, and I was so upset because I really wanted to write this book. And then doing muscle testing, I, I found out that my subconscious mind did not support writing the book. I go, why not? And the answer was because I'm a scientist. And if I wrote the book, which had spirituality in it, I would lose my support from my colleagues. So my subconscious mind was saying, okay, that's enough. That, no more writing, because if you conclude this, you're going to be an outcast from your society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I remember uh, doing a, one of these balances, they're called 15 minutes or less. And in the process, uh, uh, part of the balance was how do I want this book to be written now? Well, I said, I want it to be written fast because I waste a lot of time. And I thought struggling over it was a pain. So I thought, you know, um, maybe it should be fun. <laughs> okay. And, uh, uh, and so but fun and easy, uh, uh, whatever it was, I balanced that. And I forgot about it because it was just 15 minutes. And it was like, oh, yeah, I should do something about that, blah, blah, blah. And months later, the book is done. Wow. And I remember uh, getting reviewing it. It's going to go to the publisher. This is the final read, sending it to the publisher, get down to the last page, down the last thing, get down the last line. It's finished. And I pushed myself back in the chair and I said, wow, that was fast and kind of fun and it was easy. I said, holy, those are the words that I put in, which I completely forgot about. 
and I programmed my mind that way. And the moment I finished the book, I said, fast, fun, and easy. I go, holy, that's what, that was the program. Mm. Uh, and it was what took me off. And, and, but go back to the, I love myself one, because uh, I can tell you now for a fact, uh, and being involved with so many belief change programs, um, over 80%, generally 90% of every audience will not test positive for I love myself. Uh, that's a very large number. <laughs> and that means why, why so many marriages fall apart, because mm. they never really connected. They were sort of like, uh, you know, on the surface, really nice, but their subconscious programs clash, boom, gone, right. it's not working. Uh, and, and then the idea is what? Well, let me give you a reason why. You're an athlete, so I know I can tell you right, right where the, that programming worked. And it goes like this. Um, if a kid on a sports team is not doing well, the coach doesn't go, oh, please try harder. You could do better. I go, no, coach comes out there. That's not good enough. Who do you think you are? You know, you're not worthy to be on this team, blah, blah, blah. And the player immediately in the conscious mind goes, oh, my God, I, I better work harder and be better. And great. Now I say, what if the parent is acting as a coach and the kid is five years old? I go, why is that important? I said, they're not using the conscious mind at five years old. They're in record. And the parents said, that's not good enough. You don't deserve this. You're not lovable. Who do you think you are? I say, the child is not thinking about what the parent was intending. The right. child's recording. I'm not lovable. I'm not deserving. I'm not. This. And I go, the 95% of your life is going to come from that program. And you see why you struggle. You don't love yourself because the first thing you'd be critical of yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I, I go, well. Now you're self-critical. <laughs> and the moment you're self-critical, you just uh, canceled the whole game right at that point. So what is this muscle balance test thing you were talking about? Is this called muscle testing? How do you do this? Well, uh, one very simple way. You can use any part of your body with muscles. I could push on your head. I could push on a finger. Usually it's done with an arm. My arm. Yeah. You push my arm, arm down. And yeah. the game is this. It's not arm wrestling. People think, oh, I say, no, no. The idea is this. You have to keep focus. You, you make a statement and you keep your mind on that statement. Uh, the difference. Give me, give me an example. People, give me an example of like, uh, I love, I love myself. I love myself. Okay. Hold out yeah. your arm. Point. If the conscious and subconscious agree the muscle is a rock, you could do chin ups on that arm. Okay. But if the subconscious doesn't agree with the conscious mind, you say I'm lovable and the subconscious mind give you all the reasons why you're not. Mm. And guess what? Now the two minds are in disharmony and now the, the arm will move. I say, well, how much does it move? I say, well, all you need to know is it, it moved that much. <laughs> if it just moved that A little much, bit. any yeah. more pushing or thing, now that's arm wrestling. It was, if, if they both agree, that's solid. That's not even going to move. But if there's, if the two don't agree, then just even the first downward movement like that says, that's it, that you don't have to do any more. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me personally, as well as ad-free listening, then make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode episode in that review. I really love hearing feedback from you and it helps us figure out how we can support and serve you moving forward. And I want to remind you if no one has told you lately that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great.